We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events, the list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Spike Week, the 2021 best ball season show brought to you by rotogrinders.com today we're going to be talking a little bit about late round running backs some late round running back targets um always a popular discussion right there's zero rb there's robust rb there's modified zero rb there's hyper hyper fragile hyper rojo all these different strategies but most of them require some kind of late round running back target not all but a lot of them require some kind of late round running back in your in your roster construction so uh, what i really wanted to talk about more than just specific running back names right that's easy um at the end of the day a lot of these guys are just total flyers dart throws scratch off lottery tickets that we're taking shots on at the end of drafts. Usually, not always, but usually they're the kind of player that requires an injury or something kind of crazy or catastrophic to happen to a teammate or something involving their team in order for them to, to get boosted, get elevated into a new role that turns them into a fantasy, a usable fantasy asset, or even sometimes a fantasy star. But I don't think it's I don't think it's wise to sit here and try and predict those guys. But what we can do is think about them in a way in which it suits certain roster constructions, it suits certain builds that we start to put together, and also identify guys 
that makes sense in terms of what we're trying to do in these in these best ball contests, specifically relating to these huge, you know, million dollars to first place best ball tournaments on underdog and on DraftKings. And so we'll get into a little bit of, of, of what that means. You know, what, what does that mean for your late round running back targets? First thing I kind of mentioned is that they need to fit your build. You know, what that what does that mean? These guys need to fit fit your build. Well, if I am approaching a draft and I'm I'm targeting running backs early, maybe early and often. You know, maybe I'm I'm taking this hyper fragile approach to running backs and I'm taking I prefer two early in a in that that kind of structure, but some some prefer three, right? I'm taking three running backs in my first three picks or my first four four picks, first five picks. So then maybe I'm only taking one one more running back. In that type of construction, I, I have already bet on two to three early round running backs. Those guys are the rock, those are the foundation of my team. And I only need to fill two running back positions, right? In my best ball scoring, my best ball lineup has two running back spots. So those are filled. I've assumed that those are filled by these early round running backs. If those early round running backs fail, my team fails anyway. So that's that's the, the core assumption we've made with that type of roster construction. So with that type of team, it doesn't make a lot of sense to be drafting, you know, the James Whites, the Naheem Hines, the Giovanni Bernards of the world, because those guys are, you know, they're fine late round targets themselves, but I've assumed that my early round running backs are filling my running back spots. And so I need to be taking a more high variance, volatile, you know, probably a backup running back in one of my last couple of picks to round out my team because ultimately I want to have the shots, you know, shots on goal at this super high upside stable of running backs. If everything goes my way, my, my two to three early running backs are my, my foundation for my team and they stay healthy all year. And they're, they're putting up the, the scores that I need most of the year. And then I bet on this late round running back that maybe benefits from an injury, right? He's a backup to one of these more workhorse running backs and he benefits from some injury. And so now by the end of the year, I have, you know, four RB ones, three or four RB ones, right? Top 12, top 10, top 12, maybe even higher running backs that allow me to devote most of my resources elsewhere, probably wide receiver on this team. So I'm a little weaker at wide receiver in terms of my top end talent. And so now I've you know, built this stable of running backs. On the, on the opposite side, you know, if I'm approaching a zero RB build or something similar, maybe um, what we might call an anchor RB, right? Uh, I just take, maybe it's Christian McCaffrey. I get the 101 and I take Christian McCaffrey. Then I'm going to hammer all these other positions because I have Christian McCaffrey locked in, right? My one running back position is is good. I'm never even thinking about that spot on my line. Christian McCaffrey's points are going to be in my lineup every single week. So I really just have to fill that one other spot. From there, I think it's a little bit more of this kind of hybrid, hybrid approach because I do need to fill that second running back score every single week. And so what I'm doing with that is not 
always just these high variance guys. I do want to mix in maybe some of those guys, right? Um, if Derrick Henry gets hurt after another 400 touch season, Darrington Evans, you know, provides me with that, that upside as the Titans backup running back to be an RB one in a good offense. If Derrick Henry were to get hurt, but I also need to put up points in my second running back spot while I'm waiting for, you know, my lottery tickets to hit, right? Darrington Evans isn't going to be a usable running back for, we don't know exactly how long. And so I still need to accumulate enough points to advance in these best ball contests to get through my league. And so I need to kind of mix and match a little bit more. These guys that maybe don't have the upside to be a workhorse, but they, they have the immediate chance of giving me usable weeks, right? The guys I mentioned before, James White, I prefer, we'll get to it in the examples. I prefer Giovanni Bernard. You know, he, he is the new James White, right, in, in Tampa Bay. But these guys, Naheem Hines, you know, I can't really predict when their weeks are going to come, but I know that they have a role and they have a, a general, a relative floor, right? I'm not getting a zero from Giovanni Bernard. I might not get many points, but I'm not getting a zero. So that at least can get me by until I kind of, you know, hit the lottery with, with one of these other late round guys. So just depending upon your, the structure of your team, the profile of the kind of guys you need to be drafting is just a little bit different. Right. And I think we need to, we, that's probably the number one thing. That's why I'm talking about it first, but that's probably the number one thing we need to keep in mind when we're talking about late round running backs. You can't just pull Google an article that says, you know, what late round running backs should I be taking? Because they may not be the right picks for, for your team. Even, even if you're getting, you know, quote unquote, ADP value on a guy, it still may not be the right fit for your team. Other big thing, among a few big things to think about, in my opinion, on late round running backs is just embracing uncertainty. I have somehow backed myself into this corner of making Samaj P. Ryan my poster boy for for late round running backs from uh, some some back and forth on Twitter. But I'm always cool to embrace these crappy players. So Samaj P. Ryan is is a perfect example though of this uncertainty. The only reason. No other Bengals running backs are really getting drafted besides Joe Mixon. It's because we have generally no idea who, who the backup is going to be. But if we knew, and we will know by the time we get to camp, we'll know, right? Reports are going to come out. This guy's running with the twos. This guy's mixing in with Joe Mixon with the ones. The ADP of this person will skyrocket. And we saw this last year. I mistakenly early on was drafting. Reggie Bonifon. But, you know, that ended up being Mike Davis and Mike Davis ended up being a league winner. But the premise was the same. The backup to certain spots is uncertain. And that uncertainty, you can be wrong. There's, there's a lot of risk to selecting one of these guys, these uncertain, these ambiguous situations late in drafts. But the upside is absolutely there. You're getting a last round pick that is, you know, potentially one of these, one of these league winners. And guys like Samaj P. Ryan are that. It's uncertain, but that's a good thing for us. Uncertainty is precisely what allows us to profit off of these situations when we're right. 
which is all we're looking for. Profit, you know, maximizing our returns when we're right. It's not really about being the most accurate predictor of backup running backs. That's useless. That doesn't help us. But it's what happens when we're right. And so that's the next thing is upside. Upside when you're right. So if you if you hit on one of these guys, if you hit, the difference is just stark between what happens when you're right about the Jets backfield or, um, you know, I'm trying to think the Raiders back, backfield, backup Raiders running backs or backup Jets running backs or backup Texans running backs. What happens when you when you hit on those guys compared to what happens when you hit on Christian McCaffrey's backup, Joe Mixon's backup, Cam Akers' backup, Ezekiel Elliott's backup? What happens when you hit on those guys? You've got a superstar wide receiver, right? We see it in DFS. You know, this is a roto grinder show, but we see it in we see it in DFS all the time. So and so gets injured. You know, starting elite running back gets injured next week. His backup is, you know, the stone cold chalk in tournaments and he's just a, a smash play. Well, that's what we're looking for. We're not, we're not looking for, you know, Michael Carter gets hurt and we're trying to decide between Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. And I don't think with Michael P Ryan, but I don't really know. And, and the point is that those guys don't have, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but don't have, in my opinion, the paths to, the upside that win us these tournaments if we hit on them. We're going to miss a ton, but they need to have the upside to hit when we're right on them. And so that upside, kind of like I touched on a little bit earlier, to me is often tied to these backups to the premium running backs, right? And you you can see it in ADPs. We, we It's clear as day. The Backups to the premium running backs that we know are locked into the backup spot. The guys we absolutely know are the handcuff to the elite running backs. They cost a a premium because that situation is certain, right? Tony Pollard goes, you know, around a hundred overall. Like he's a top ten round pick, give or take, depending on your where you're drafting, right? Um, Alexander Madison, Daryl Henderson. Latavius Murray. I like some of these guys. Latavius Murray is a guy I'm just going to keep drafting every year. He seems to fall. But these guys are, we know if Alvin Kamara gets hurt, Latavius Murray is an RB1. So he goes in the 12th or 13th, 14th round. Tony Pollard goes in the 10th because we know Tony Pollard is a stud if Ezekiel Elliott misses. But those situations exist elsewhere without the certainty without the knowledge of exactly who the number two is. And that's why I brought up Samaj P. Ryan. Joe Mixon is a borderline first round pick. I, there's not a, I haven't listened to a podcast, read an article, watched a show of someone who isn't just enthused about the, the potential for Joe, Joe Mixon this year, right? The stars are aligning for this to be the Joe Mixon season. But that doesn't mean he's a lock. It, do, it doesn't mean he's a lock for the volume that we expect. And it certainly doesn't mean he's a lock to stay healthy because he has never really proven to be able to do so over his career, but his backup is not getting drafted. All these other premium running backs backups are getting drafted, right? Zeke's backup goes in the 10th. Kamara's backup goes in the 13th. Same thing for Dalvin. Same thing for Cam Akers and on and on, right? And, and th- that's fine. I'm drafting those guys too. They're perfectly great. 
um, you know, secondary running backs to be looking at on your, in your specific roster constructions. But there are other guys that we see every single year. And the bet, like Mike Davis is just a shining example, right? Christian McCaffrey is so far and away the 101 in fantasy. And especially last year was so far and away the number one overall pick. And because the situation was uncertain of who his backup was, his backup was not getting drafted. You are one twisted ankle, one blown out knee away from getting Mike Davis in the last round. Now, like I said, I, I, very early in draft, draft season last year, I was drafting Reggie Bonifon because I thought Reggie Bonifon would be that. I was very clearly wrong about that, but the premise was the same. I got lucky and started drafting some Mike Davis when we started to get some news and, and, look, and look what that did. Mike Davis was a league winner because you got, as Adam Levitan would say, 90% CMC in the last round of your drafts. I'm not saying Samaj P. Ryan is that, but I'm saying the situation is similar. The only thing is, is uncertainty, right? And I'm not certain that Samaj P. Ryan is going to be the backup running back to Joe Mixon, but I believe he's a relatively high probability bet to be that, to be that backup guy. He's the veteran in a, you know, Travion Williams is there, Chris Evans and Puka Williams. These, these young guys, people get a little bit of hype on these young guys and they, they very, very rarely ever turn into the true handcuff in these situations, unless the team starts tanking down the stretch, but the Bengals should be trying to compete. And you have a veteran backup who has just been steady, right? He's not a, a great player, but it, it's like, that, that's Mike Davis, right? Samaj P. Ryan averaged five yards carry last year. He's been around. Um, he knows the system. They paid him a little bit of money. They, they even paid him guaranteed money, which is kind of a, a small thing, right? They always say follow the money. And that's a big, big indicator for me on these situations. I could be wrong, but it's a last round pick. And the payoff, if it's right, going back to the earlier point, the payoff, if it's right, is, is huge. A couple other, moving on to like some examples, but piggybacking off of those backups to premium, premium running backs, Darrington Evans. Third round pick from last year for the Titans. You know, nobody is is betting on Darrington Evans to be a a premium useful back, but Derrick Henry is a top five pick for sure. Some people have him as high as three overall in fantasy drafts this year and best ball drafts this year. And his backup is also not getting picked. I'm not even sure that there's much uncertainty about this situation, right? I get that there's uncertainty with, say, the Bengals, but I'm not even certain that there's much uncertainty about. Darrington Evans being the backup with the draft capital. He was the backup last year. Excuse me. He was the backup to Derrick Henry last year until he got hurt. And we even saw last year, those other guys have a little bit of value. Jeremy McNichols was playing on third downs for a while. They brought Donta Foreman into 2020 from 2016. And he was like getting real snaps later in the season because they just refused to play Derrick Henry on passing downs. And, you know, he gets so many carries that he does need breaks here and there. All those carries also, even as, as he might be a unicorn, he might be LeBron James of, of running backs. But I wouldn't bet on him staying healthy his entire career, given 400 touches every single season and the kind of beating that he takes. And so all it takes is that one, that one bad bounce. And now you have the Titans, you know, feature back Darrington Evans as a last round pick especially now in an even more exciting offense with Ryan Tannehill throwing to Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. 
Um, scrolling through the list really quick. Uh, it pains me to bring up, but, but the other one that does jump out to me, it's kind of a hybrid between a few of these different things. I think he fits a lot of different builds, even though it's, it's not sexy, is Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker, it appears to me at least to be the, there's no uncertainty that he is, you know, the quote unquote handcuff to Saquon Barkley. I know everyone is down on the Giants offense and I am too, but there's talent on this offense and Saquon has been an RB1, an elite RB1, a top five pick, top three pick for multiple seasons as a workhorse in this offense. And the offense hasn't gotten worse. Yes, Jason Garrett is, is at the helm and that's scary, but we're talking about a last round pick and Devontae Booker has shown an every down skill set. Even if he's not a tremendous football player, he has over the course of his career taken down, taken on every down roles. He stole passing down work just last season from Josh Jacobs. Combine recent reports now that the Giants are, you know, they're not even sure how healthy Saquon is. Uh, you know, certainly not to start the season. He might be scaling him back to 60% of the snaps from the 90 to 95 he used to play. So now you're getting like a, a split backfield with the Giants, a guy who can catch passes. So you might have some early value, especially in PPR formats. And you're getting a handcuff on a guy coming off a very major knee injury. And so these are the kind of guys, those are some, some clear examples to me that just fit the mold of the kind of late round running backs that we should be looking for. I didn't name, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I missed your guy, right? You like one of the Falcons backups, JVN Hawkins, or I was listening to a show the other day, hyping up some Cordero Patterson, or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of guys back there. But I think the most important thing, more than just those names, is these other things we talked about. Fitting your build, you know, embracing these uncertain situations and making sure that there's upside on the situation. Right? Just because it's uncertain doesn't mean that there's upside to the guy if you end up hitting on him. And maybe the clearest path to that upside is the backups to these premium running backs, especially if whether it's uncertain and so the market is down on them or the market is just down on them in general because of you know the Giants offense or, or whatever it may be. So that's my late round running back strategy and you can spread it around to to a bunch of those different guys you know I, I wouldn't be honing in on just specifically one because the odds that you hit on any one of them are not great but there's a lot of different ways you can kind of approach approach these and as long as they they fit your build that's the, that's the number one most important thing right fitting your build and what's the payoff if i'm right the end of the day, those are the two things that I want to be focusing on in the draft. And so when I'm getting on the clock, there's 30 seconds left, right? I'm doing a fast draft. And there's, oh, there's 10 seconds left and I need a running back and I don't know who it is. I want to make sure that I've always got that in the back of my mind. Uh, what, what, what kind of build have I put together and what's the upside on these guys? What, how, how much am I going to get paid off if, if they hit? So that's it guys. Thanks. Thanks for Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Spike Week. We'll be back. I'm recording another episode here um, tomorrow, and then we'll be back with a, a tandem show with Jamino and I here shortly. And then I'm going to get into a rhythm of these pretty uh, a few times a week, a few times a week, and as well as uh, 
a steady stream of, of content and articles and everything going up on rotorgrinders.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Bimefloor if you don't already. And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back early and often throughout draft season. So thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you later.